Follow along with me as I read, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 through 18. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll take our text, our title from the, verse number 9. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, now Paul's starting to get heavy, by them which are at the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one that of you that saith I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I have baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is of them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God and power of God. May God has blessing to the reading of his word. In verses 1 through 9, we looked at uh, uh, in the really first three messages we've had. We're going to start moving a little bit faster uh, through this book here. It will be years in this book. Uh, I plan on uh, doing a couple verses, a couple chapters, uh, or a couple messages per chapter is the plan. But uh, we talked about the call to be holy in verses 1 through 9. And a real rapid fire, let me get through this introduction if we can here on the worksheet, if you have your bulletin, uh, your prayer bulletin. The church at Corinth was a defiled church. Uh, we looked at that uh, in uh, some extent, uh, of course, and for time's sake, we won't uh, look at verses here tonight in the way of introduction. It was a divided church. It was not only defiled, but it was divided. And uh, verses 12 and 13, we'll get there and uh, talk about that in a minute here. Uh, it was a dis disgraced church. Uh, at the same time, and this is what our message was the last time we preached a couple of weeks ago, on this subject, uh, the Lord said, even though they were disgraced and they were set apart, uh, they, were, they were sanctified in Christ, uh, sanctified in God. They were enriched by him. And the recipients of God's uh, faithfulness, verses 1 through uh, 5, deal with this uh, truth. And uh, in our verse before us, there's a, there's a plea against disunity. And I'm referring to verse number 9 is our takeoff verse here. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, we sing the song, What a Fellowship, What a Joy Divine, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, and the fellowship that we have in his Son. And um, it's a beautiful thing, of course. And uh, Paul begins to transition from the uh, gracious introduction, of course, to this uh, uh, plea against disunity, uh, for we are called into fellowship. And Psalm 133, verse 1, of course, says... Uh, uh, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And uh, division has always been a problem with people in general. We're, we're seeing it uh, worldwide uh, right before our very eyes. Uh, it's called the Arab-Israeli uh, uh, conflict. And of course, we can get real deep in that real fast, but we'll say that for another time. Obviously, you're paying attention to the news. There's a group of people that hate you, uh, hate the Jews, hate the Saturday people, and uh, they hate the Sunday people too. I don't know if you heard the the cries, the war cries, and so forth. But uh, this world is full of division and disunity. Uh, and uh, 
It's, uh, it's not only with uh, people in general, but even with God's people. And uh, everybody is it's different, and everybody's different from one, one another, and of course, everybody else is wrong, and we're right, obviously. Uh, you've heard the little poem, uh, to, live with, uh, to live above with saints we love will certainly be glory. To live below with saints we know, well, that's another story. And uh, of course, we, uh, it's how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. There are plenty of verses we could park here for, and we have introduction here tonight, but it'll take another 30 seconds. Uh, plenty of verses on the subject of unity in the Word of God in regards to local church. Uh, Philippians 4, 1 and 2. Therefore, my beloved brethren, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And then uh, verse number 2. Uh, Paul says, I beseech Eudeus and beseech Syntyche, two women in the church, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And uh, he, it was a plea for unity. In Ephesians 4, 11, uh, we see another plea for unity. We see it through that, the epistles. Uh, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation which you, you've been called with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. And uh, then Jesus prayed, of course, in the garden, uh, John 17, uh, he prayed that uh, the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them uh, to his followers, of course. And he prayed that they may be one even as we are one, uh, speaking to uh, uh, his heavenly father, obviously. And so Paul, starting in verse number, uh, really verse number 11 is a transition. Verse, uh, verse 10, uh, he, I guess you could say it's a transition verse. It starts to deal with the subject of divisions and problems within the church, of course, and this is the biggest malady, the greatest malady in this God's medical manual of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It deals with the numbers of different subjects that this Corinthian church had problems with, but the biggest problem it had was out of the gate was that of unity. In fact, uh, from chapter 1, verse number 10, really all the way to chapter 4, verse 21, it's, uh, the entire section deals with this subject of, of uh, a sick church in regards to uh, disunity, obviously. And so Paul wants us to consider three appeals to unity, obviously. Paul begins, notice verse number 10, now I beseech you, brethren. Uh, he says, I beseech you. Uh, he starts off with a, a strong word to exhort, uh, to uh, encourage, to admonish, lovingly plead. Uh, basically, the word means to, I beseech you, I, I'm, I'm begging you, uh, I'm, I'm imploring you. Uh, for these church members to have unity in, in three areas. And here's uh, uh, Roman numeral one as we begin our outline here tonight in the uh, short minutes that we have. But uh, I want you to notice the appeal for unity. Uh, it starts with unity of speech, verse 10. Now I beseech you, verse 10, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, uh, our speech, let it always be seasoned with the grace, of course, uh, our speech, uh, we are to speak the truth, uh, but we are to do it in love, obviously. It's uh, two sides of the railroad track. Uh, you can speak the truth and not do it in love, or you can, you can be all love and not speak the truth. But God says, I want you to speak the truth in love. And uh, Ephesians 4 talks about that subject as well, about speaking the, the, the truth in a, a loving way, of course. And uh, he was, Lord Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. Uh, Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. 
And uh, Proverbs says the word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and a pitcher of silver. We've got to be careful with our words. And uh, we've all been guilty. Uh, I've, I'm at the top of the list. Been guilty many times of uh, uh, smarting off with our mouth and uh, being cynical and uh, facetious and so forth. And maybe we're joking and maybe we're uh, jesting. And we've got to be careful with that. Uh, I, I believe Jesus had a, 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 a good time and could laugh and so forth. And I think there's ways we can laugh and of course and be happy and so forth but I think we need to be careful with our speech we need to have unity of speech and in order to have unity of speech you need to have several other things along with the unity of speech because we're representing the name of the Lord Jesus Christ verse number 10 tells us uh, but so the first unity that we're employed to have is this unity of speech but then verse number 10 finishes out and says that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together. And, that, and so not only unity of speech, but unity of body. And uh, uh, turn, if you would, to, please, to 1 Corinthians 12. We'll do this rather quickly, obviously. But 1 Corinthians 11, as you're turning to chapter 12 of uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, chapter 11, we preached on the Lord's Supper, of course, a couple weeks back on on Sunday evening uh, when we partook the Lord's Supper, obviously. And there was division in, in partaking the Lord's Supper in 1118. It says, first of all, Paul wrote, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. And uh, they, they were divided in their, the body was divided in, the, uh, uh, in giving the Lord's Supper. But chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, and uh, verses 12 and 13 for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, uh, being many, are, are one body, so also is Christ. And Brother Dave in his Sunday school class has been talking about it being in Christ, uh, of course, obviously. Uh, one body in Christ. It, it's, it's true, obviously, but uh, verse number 13 says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be bond or free, whether... And have all been made to drink into one spirit. And uh, we talk about the body of Christ, and there, there's no doubt there is the body of Christ. Uh, I don't deny that for a moment, of course, but there's major doctrinal differences between churches, obviously. And uh, I, I think of our Pentecostal brethren, I like to pick on them because uh, I almost became one, obviously. I give my testimony many times, so I almost became an Assembly of God. Uh, uh, that's where he went, of course. And I know some of you. Uh, know the different doctrinal systems, of course, obviously. Uh, most Assembly of God, in fact, all of them I know are, are uh, Arminian in their doctrine. I believe you can fall from grace. And uh, Bible's uh, pretty clear that uh, can two walk together except they be agreed. Uh, there's division in the body of Christ, obviously. Uh, there shouldn't be division. Let me, let me say it this way. We should love the brethren no matter what... Uh, church they go to, whether even if they don't go to church, we love the brethren, of course, and uh, we're one in Christ. It's so true. But uh, in, again, churches are so different, obviously, of course, and uh, it's hard enough to have, families are so different. Uh, every family in here is, does a different po uh, polity, does the different, uh, you run your family differently than I run my family, and vice versa, obviously, but uh, we, we don't have even uh, unity within our families, let alone our churches, obviously. It's a problem, and Paul writes four chapters, basically, regards to this problem, of course. But uh, we are to strive together for unity and love, and we'll look at that in a, 
uh, more detail here. So we have unity back to chapter one for uh, moving forward, obviously. Uh, we have unity of, we, we're called to have unity of speech. We're called to have unity of body. And uh, we need to work at this unity. And then uh, unity of attitude, uh, of mind, again, finishing verse number 10, uh, that you be perfectly joined together in a body, in the same mind, and in the same judgment. And, uh, you know, I, uh, unity of attitude is to fill in the blank word, of course. Uh, and uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 14 and 16, for time's sake, I'm not going to go there for uh, time's sake, but the Bible says so, so we all come in the unity of the faith. And, uh, you know, I've said it many times, so I'll say it again. Uh, uh, you know, this is a, it's an impossible thing to do without the Spirit of God working. Uh, and uh, it can't be done uh, in and of ourselves. I always say I, I disagree a lot of times with myself, obviously. And so how can I expect you to agree with me on every little thing and so forth? And uh, uh, when I disagree with myself, and we, we were always going to have... Uh, Different, different, different uh, dis disagreement. But let me quote you Romans chapter 12, verse number 16. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Uh, strive together to agree on the majors. Uh, we have to agree on the majors. Uh, there's certain doctrinal truths that separate this church from uh, other churches. Obviously, we, we have the preserved word of God, the inspired word of God. Uh, in the King James Bible, obviously, we believe in eternal security. We believe in uh, salvation by grace alone through faith, and plus nothing. Uh, we believe in the Trinity of God, and the deity of Christ, and uh, the, the great doctrines of the faith, of course, obviously. Uh, but, uh, so we major on the majors, but we must exercise forbearance and love and humility in areas of disagreement. Uh, I, I give you this for an example. Um, I've loved my pastors, and I, I don't say this to invoke love. Uh, you can't love me anymore than you already love me. You all, all love me so much, so I appreciate that greatly. So uh, I, I feel your love. It's just flowing, flowing forward here. And, uh, and uh, I, I'm teasing you, but I'm serious at the same time. And, uh, but I've loved my pastors. I, I can honestly say uh, Pastor uh, Swanson was my pastor for just two years in Rockford, Illinois. And Pastor Bennett, of course, I talked to him on the phone uh, Oh, just about two weeks ago, he's in a nursing home now, obviously. He's my pastor for, well, he's my surrogate pastor for 50 years since I was a teenage boy. And Pastor Crichton, of course, obviously. Uh, all those men were great men, and I loved them and so forth. And uh, I agree with them on 99.95%, uh, maybe only 98%. Uh, uh, but uh, we had some differences. Uh, even Pastor Swanson, I could tell you a couple of differences we had. But I loved him to death, of course, because he was a godly man and loved... Uh, he loved his people, and he loved the Lord, and so forth. And uh, uh, learn to put aside the little minor things that uh, say, "Well, I don't." Uh, we need to earnestly contend for the faith, but we don't need to be disagreeable about things. And we can love one another in a pure, pure heart, fervently. The Bible is very clear about that. So uh, consider this the plea for unity. But then, verses eleven through seventeen, I want you to consider. And obviously, we're not going to have time to dissect these verses in great detail, but uh, once you notice the problems presenting, preventing unity, uh, the contention causers, look at verse number 11 to begin with, for it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe. So the house of Chloe tattled to, uh, somebody in the house of Chloe tattled to uh, the preacher and uh, the Paul, of course, and, uh, 
there are contentions among you. And so he lists at least three contention causers. In, uh, in the first contention that they had, and we see this really throughout the uh, next couple, three chapters. Turn to chapter three and look at the punchline verses for time's sake here. Chapter three, let me give you the first uh, uh, contention causer, lack of maturity. Uh, lack of maturity in uh, believers in Christ, of course. And uh, it's a one-room schoolhouse. We have brand new babes in Christ, and we have uh, veterans in Christ, and then we have uh, folks that should be veterans that are still uh, messing up and so forth, and we have uh, babes in Christ that think they know everything, and uh, kind of like our two-year-olds that run around our houses and so forth, they got all the answers already. They don't know one-tenth of the, one-one-hundredth of the questions, of course. But look at verse number one. It says, And I, brethren, chapter three, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye are not able to bear it, neither are ye now able. For ye are carnal, whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? We have a carnality problem in our church, and this church at Corinth was very carnal, obviously. It had a lack of maturity. They were, they were so steeped in the world. They were, they were sensual. They had uh, all kinds of problems that we're going to find out. They had uh, sexual problems, of course. They had uh, problems with uh, the way they partook of the Lord's Supper, as we already mentioned. They're, they had uh, dress problems. They had hair problems. They had all kinds of problems that we're going to find out as we go through this book. But they were immature. Then back to verse number 12 of chapter 1. It says, verse 12. Oh, I should have put a bookmark. Uh, now, this I say, that every one of you, uh, uh, of, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Paulus, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Notice the second problem preventing unity was not only a lack of maturity, but a, a love or a respecting of man. And uh, again, back to chapter 3, verses 4 to 7, we see in more detail, verses 4 to 7, uh, it says, For while one saith, I am of Paul, some of these Corinthian believers saying, I'm a Pauline, I'm a Paulite, I, 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 Paul's my man, he's the guy I follow. And another one said, I'm of Apollos. Remember Acts chapter 18 and Apollos, and uh, he was a man of mighty in scriptures and eloquent. He was a, a spokesperson, of course, and, but he was, had some wrong doctrine, and Aquila and Priscilla helped him out with that. And some said, well, I'm a, I'm a follower of Apollos. And some said, uh, verse number 5, who then is Paul and who then is Apollos, but ministers by whom he, he believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. God's the one that gets the glory, not man. And back to chapter 1, uh, I, I've seen this in churches, and I've been guilty of it myself. Of Almost, uh, we, don't, we don't say we worship man, but we can almost get to the point where we, my earlier Christianity, I won't leave the name unnamed, but I was a man that I, I, I absolutely adored, and I followed, and everything he said was like straight from God, of course. And uh, final later, it wasn't all straight from God, of course. It was straight from uh, uh, biased opinion and so forth, and he wasn't perfect, and there's no perfect man. And uh, so be careful who you follow. And uh, Paul chides them for, back to chapter 1, following, uh, some followed Apollos, some followed Paul, some followed Cephas, that's the Hebrew name for Peter, of course. And, and others were really spiritual, they followed Christ. And, uh, well, we're all supposed to follow Christ, are we not? So uh, the contention causes, first of all, a lack of maturity, then uh, a love or respecting of man. But the third 
contention caused there was a lack of biblical knowledge, a lack of biblical knowledge from verses uh, 13 to 17. Is Christ divided? Well, that's a rhetorical question. Of course he's not. Uh, Christ is not. We're to love him supremely, but no man is even to come close, close second to our love for Christ. Love your pastor, love your Sunday school teachers, love your evangelists, love, love the people of God, but love Christ supremely, of course. And he is our love. He's, he's the, the adoration. We get our knowledge through, through Christ and through his spirit, of course. Verse 17, for time's sake, go down and Paul chides them about baptism. And we get to verse number 17. And on the subject of lack of biblical knowledge, uh, we learn something from verse 17 that is kind of a, a secondary application. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. We learn from that, that little phrase right there that the gospel does not include baptism. Baptism is uh, a part of what we call the Great Commission, of course, and it's not part of uh, salvation, obviously. And we could go to Mark chapter 15 and 16 and um, he that believeth in us baptized shall be saved. And some churches teach it. See, baptism is part of salvation. But the rest of the verse says, but he that believeth not, it shall be damned. Of course, salvation is completely independent from being born again. It's completely independent from being baptized. But baptism is an ordinance. And that's, uh, I'm talking about water baptism, obviously, of course. And, and, uh, and we see this uh, doctrinal knowledge concerning the baptism and the gospel and baptism. And, uh, that we need to rightly divide the word of God. And uh, again, Brother Dave's been doing that in Sunday school class for umpteen weeks now, of course, and uh, talking about different baptisms, obviously. And, and uh, there's a spirit baptism for sure. And of course, uh, we talked about, he talked about John the Baptist baptism. There's water baptism, of course, and I'm sure we'll get to that, obviously. But uh, we have these, the problem of preventing unity. It's a lack of biblical knowledge, a love of respecting a man more than Christ, and a lack of maturity. But then... Uh, Roman numeral number three, notice, the, let me give you the, the cure that leads to unity. Let me give you four cures that lead to unity. We read back in verse number one, we talked about the fellowship that's in Christ. And we read about having the same, same speech, the same mind, the same, we're all in the same body together, perfectly joined together. And so uh, remember the command for unity. Remember the command for unity. God commands us to be in unity one with another. And... Uh, Peter said it this way, seeing that ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the, the spirit of unto unfeigned love of the brethren, unhypocritical love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Hebrews 13.1, let brotherly love, do you know it? Continue. Let's, let's learn that verse together. Ready? Here we go. Hebrews 13.1, let brotherly love continue. One more time. Let brotherly love continue. That's an order. That's a command by the Spirit of God, of course. Psalm 133, verse 1, we've already quoted that. Uh, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In 2 Corinthians 6, 6, just a smattering of uh, dozens of verses in the New Testament teach us to, to, uh, to give his command to have love and unity. It says, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. And so there's the command, remember the command to, for unity. But then verse number 18, notice... These are what the ties that bind us together. Verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is them that perish foolishness. But unto us, which are saved, it is the power of God. And uh, remember the, the cross of Christ. It's, uh, the cross of Christ is what binds us together. We're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in us. In life which we now live in flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 6, we're, 
We reckon ourselves dead in the Christ. We're dead to self. And all God's people said, you, you just spoke out loud. You're not dead. You, <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Of course. We're, 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 we're supposed to be dead, uh, dead to self, but alive to Jesus Christ, of course. The, the cross is what brings us together, of course. And let me just, I left off, I just make an application. In my early years of Christianity, and I would encourage you, uh, you know, you either go to work and you have Christians of all different stripes. And, uh, you know, I thought, well, I can think of some, uh, some Lutherans and I can think of some people that uh, uh, churches that I wouldn't go to, I wouldn't step, step foot in and so forth, but they, they named the name of Christ. And when I talked to them, I found out they were really saved. You ever find people like that? I'm sure you have. And, you know, I, my, first, this is me. Maybe you never went through this. I was kind of like standoffish. You're like, well, they don't have the right doctrine. They don't have the right. Well, they might not have that, but we still love them in the Lord. And we still don't ever get, think you're compromising by loving the brethren, of course, and no matter where, where they're from, of course. And so it's a cross that binds us together, of course. I'd like to preach there, but let's get our last two letters, C and D, done. Uh, remember our common goal in chapter 9 of verse number, uh, 1 Corinthians, verse 19 through 22, Paul says, I've become all things to all men that I may by all means gain some. Paul, Paul wanted to be a, remember our purpose for being on earth is to, we have a common goal to bring people to Christ, of course, world evangelization, glorify God in world evangelization. And then lastly, remember our coming Lord, and look at, the, let's, let's go back to, and it should cause us to unity, uh, it causes us to every man that hath his hope in him purifies himself as he is whole, uh, as he is pure rather. First John two says, "Let me slow down here. Let's last make an application." Here's a fun verse here. First Corinthians chapter sixteen verse twenty two, and Paul ends this book talking about the coming of the Lord in a in a unusual way. He says, verse twenty two: "If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema." That's, uh, the word is uh, not translated there. That's uh, uh, the word translated in first Galatians 1, 6, and 7, where it's, talk, it's the same word, but it's translated accursed. It's translated in our language. But the word Maranatha, of course, that's the, it's an uh, Aramaic word, obviously. And it means, even so, come Lord Jesus. And uh, the command is given that the Lord is coming soon. And uh, I, I end with the fact that uh, uh, in fact, Ann gave me a book on, on Israel tonight here. Dear, I plan on preaching on a message soon, upcoming in Israel, if we're still here. Uh, but when you see all these things come to pass, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. It's not what's happening in America that's uh, is signs that the Lord's coming back, is coming soon. It's what's happening in Israel. And uh, I know there's no sign that we need, of course, and I'm being eschatologically right trying to correct by saying that, that we don't need any more signs but uh, we're, we're, we're coming to the end for sure it's closer than ever before and I say even so come Lord Jesus and so we, we have a common unity in regards to the coming of the Lord a common goal a common uh, uh, bind in the cross of Calvary obviously in, in the common uh, whatever I said Command, command for unity, there it is. Let's bow for a word.